Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Today on Catholic Baltimore, we're talking with Ark Hart, Executive Vice President for Content and Identity for Life Teen, an international youth ministry. Mark Hart has been involved in youth ministry for more than 20 years, and he's married with four children. He's written more than a dozen books, including the recently released Unleashing the Power of Scripture, a Guide for Catholics, which was published by Word Among Us Press out of Frederick, Maryland, in our own archdiocese. This guy knows the Bible inside and out. He's even a research fellow for the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. In fact, he knows the Bible so well, he's known as simply the Bible Geek. And he's heard daily on Sirius XM's The Catholic Channel, and he lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome, Mark. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Chris. Good to hear your voice. Well, you know, I've known you since we both lived in Arizona. I think even before you got the nickname the Bible Geek. How did that get started? <laughs> well, this is way back in the dawn of the inter- internet, in the interweb, before the book face. Yeah, way back when. Um, you know, the uh, internet was really growing. I was working in youth ministry. I was leading a Bible study. And uh, I, had to, I had to head out of town, so I couldn't lead my weekly Bible study group. So I just wrote a brief scripture reflection, and I sent it to the, to the teens in my group. I emailed it to them. Email was very new at the time. And at the, as I was going, it was just a Holy Spirit-inspired moment. It was you know, a couple-minute reflection on a specific verse since I'd be gone. And at the end, I just, for some reason, just t- instead of writing Mark, I wrote Bible Geek. And what was funny was uh, each of them replied, and they were laughing about the name. I thought it was cool. I thought it was funny, kitschy, whatever. So you know, I started just – I kept uh, emailing them once a week just with different scripture reflections in addition to the Bible study we were doing. And pretty soon they started saying, hey, can I, can I forward this on to my mom? Can I forward it on to my girlfriend? That kind of thing. So I thought, you know what? Maybe we're on to something here. Catholics, they, they, they want to start knowing the, the scriptures. They want to start kind of diving in. and not sure how. So I started what was uh, then a bi-weekly email campaign that became you know, twice a week, you know, uh, where I would just write a quick verse, a quick reflection, and I, I signed it under the pen name Bible Geek. We started it through lightteam.com, and within a year, we had about 40,000 people getting these free emails that I was writing, and nobody knew who I was. It was great. It was like the greatest pen name ever, you know, so that's how it started. That's great. Well, your new book is uh, Unleashing the Power of Scripture. It's not necessarily easy to read. You tell people they should have a Bible handy with them, and rather than quote the book in the, the passage you want them to read and reflect on, you actually just cite the passage and tell the reader, go read it, and read it slowly. And uh, so you ask people then reflect on this, you provide questions so they can journal about it. This isn't just a book you pick up and put down. Why'd you write it that way? You know, because I, I believe, you know, Scripture tells us that grace builds on grace. And I believe there's grace. There, there's power. There's strength. There's, you know, God's very life. You know, people say, what's well, grace? And Catholics say, amazing. But we don't even know what it is, you know. Grace is God's life. It's God's very life in us. And I believe there's grace every time we put effort into our prayer life, every time we put effort into knowing God, seeking God, pursuing God, letting God pursue and seek us and get a hold of us. And when, when there's something different, when you pick up your own Bible, you know, that I'm trying to right out of the gate let people know this book about the Bible can never even come close to doing, obviously, what the Bible does. And when you pick up your own Bible, even if it's an old family heirloom, an old confirmation gift, or if it's something you read every day, 
When you pick up God's word in your own hands and you have to kind of leaf through the exact, the exact book, the exact chapter, the exact verse, not only do you begin to learn how to navigate it more readily, which grows you in confidence, but when you're reading the word of God with your own eyes out of your own Bible, not me quoting the word of God on this you know, book that was published in this printer, it's different. The, the, the spirit, there's grace there. The spirit breathes on us. God rewards us. God has never outdone generosity, and he sees that, and he rewards it. And that's why I, I thought we could, we could accomplish two things. You could receive the grace of God, but you can also learn how to start navigating your own Bible. And as you do that, you grow in confidence, you grow in joy, and the Bible becomes a really important piece and fixture in your prayer life, not just an addendum you keep on the shelf. So the idea isn't just you want people to buy your book and read your book. You want them to read the book. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Goodness, no. I, I could care if anybody in the share publisher would get mad because of sales. I could care if anybody else ever reads my book. As long as you're reading his book, as long as you're reading the book, that's the key. That's great. So you wrote in the book a little bit about Lectio Divina, which is an ancient form of prayer that takes a short passage of scripture and calls for reflection and contemplation. You say to approach it with an open mind and an open heart. Here's what you said. Quote, when we enter into Lectio Divina, and any prayer, really, with an agenda, it rarely turns out well. What do you mean by that? Well, I think most of the time when we go to God, we go to God not like Oliver Twist with the empty bowl, just saying, feed me, God, just so thankful for whatever God's going to give us. I believe that most of us go to God not as children but as brats. We go to God with sort of our, our preconceived notions of how a situation should turn out. We go to God with our, our best laid plans, looking for him more to rubber stamp it than anything else, you know? And, and really, as C.S. Lewis once said, he says, most of us don't really want a, a true father you know, when it comes to God. We want a grandfather. We want sort of this benevolent being who just smiles and gives us candy, you know, everything we want. Instead of the father who loves us enough to discipline us and to call us out of our sin and to challenge us to something more. And I believe that when we pray, most of the time, we, we're going to God with petitions more than adoration or thanksgiving. And, we're, and, and God certainly wants the petitions, but most of the time we're saying, this is how I think it should play out, all wise, sovereign omnipotent one, you know, and so please just give me my way. And scripture shakes us out of that. Scripture reminds us there is a God. It's not him. And scripture, page after page, chapter after chapter, book after book, reminds us that the characters cannot tell the author what to write or how to write it. So Lexio really puts us into the sandals, if you will, of all these heroes and heroines of the scripture, good and bad alike, and reminds us that, that God is the author. He's the ultimate author. We are playing out as characters in this story. And he, while he loves us, he loves us too much to just give us our way. And that's what, that's what the, the Bible reminds us of when we pray. That it's just not about what we want. Well, that's pretty cool. You know, you also say in this, in this book that a reader can find himself or herself in just about any character in Scripture. And you talk about the people in, who, who are real people, but you talk about them as characters. Uh, but tell me more about that. What, what do you mean by saying that, that I could find myself in just about anybody in the Bible? Well, you know, it's funny. Have you ever noticed that whenever we, we post a picture online, we always pick the picture where we're, where we're the tannest, we're the thinnest, Right, we're the youngest. Like no one's looking around for that picture where they just woke up to to make their avatar on Facebook, right, or on, on Twitter or anything. We want the best version of ourselves to show the people. And we kind of act the same way when we look at scripture. It's easy for us to see ourselves as a as a, an Esther, you know, or as a Mary, heroic women. It's easy to see ourselves as Peter, you know, or Moses or these heroic men. But very seldom are we the ones saying, "Hey, I'm Adam." Hey, I'm Eve. I'm the sinner. I'm the one with the fruit juice which still running down my face. You know what I mean? As I completely choose myself over God. Very seldom do we pick the, the, the horrible parts of ourselves. You know, we try to hide those and, and, and we try to um, share the shiny parts. You know, and, and but really, if you look closely, 
every character in scripture, if you read it with the, with humility, you'll find a little bit of yourself in Judas Iscariot. You'll find a little bit of yourself in Pontius Pilate. You'll find a little bit of yourself in Barabbas. You'll find a little bit of yourself in the Samaritan woman at the well. If we read scripture with, uh, with a humble heart and those, with that kind of a perspective, we come to quickly see that God, he, he, he loves us in spite of ourselves, that he looks through our unworthiness and he declares worth. And even in the, the villainous, horrible characters that we read about in scripture who did terrible things, we start to see, you know what? Not all that much has changed in the last several millennia. You know, we, we still go to God with the same ailments, the same problems, and the same pride, and God looks at us through love and offers the same mercy, the same forgiveness, and the same instruction. Yeah, you know, when I watched the movie The Passion of the Christ, which, you know, we know was incredibly graphic in, in its depiction, when when I saw the, the hand with the hammer driving the nail into Jesus' wrists, I thought to myself, that's me. That's my sin's doing that to Jesus, putting Jesus on the cross. And so I was able to see myself in the character of one of the centurions who was who was being the executioner. Yeah, and I, m- I remember reading in one of the interviews when The Passion came out, apparently that, that hand that was holding the nail and striking the nail, that was actually Mel Gibson's own hands. Right. Yeah, which, which I thought, just to your point, is so fascinating that he would not let anybody else play that part, if you will, even though he wasn't even on screen, you know, and I, and I thought, what a, what a great juxtaposition and what a great insight, you know, and if, if Chris, if we could all look at ourselves through that lens, then, you know, not, not only would, not only would mass be different, you know, obviously, but wouldn't our daily prayer walk be different? Wouldn't, wouldn't our daily, like when we look upon the crucifix around our neck or upon our wall, wouldn't it be different if we had that level of self-awareness? Because self-awareness really is the key to holiness. And that's one of the things that scripture gives us. It gives us a heightened sense of self-awareness. That's great. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Mark Hart, the Bible geek, about his new book, Unleashing the Power of Scripture. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Archdiocese of Baltimore bid farewell to one of its most beloved priests when Monsignor Robert Armstrong, the former rector of the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen, was laid to rest March 13th. Known for his devotion to parishioners and for inspiring countless religious vocations over the course of his 55 years as a priest, Monsignor Armstrong died March 7th after several years of declining health. He was 81. As rector of the cathedral from 1984 until his 2009 retirement, Monsignor Armstrong oversaw several capital projects, including major repairs, the restoration of the organs, and construction of a parish center. He also stood side by side with St. John Paul II when the Pope visited the cathedral in 1995. But it was the priest's strong example of faith and an unbreakable bond with parishioners that will be his lasting legacy. The church asked him to become a father to the people of God, and he did that extraordinarily well, said Father Gilbert Seitz. Prior to serving as rector of the cathedral, Monsignor Armstrong was also a former pastor of St. Michael in Overly. For more information, visit catholicreview.org. During a visit to a Rome parish March 12th, Pope Francis warned against the evils of gossip. Speaking to children, he said the seeds of wickedness lie within each human being, but that God is always willing to forgive those who are sincerely sorry for their sins. You have heard or seen on TV what terrorists do, the Pope said. They throw a bomb and run. Gossip is like that. It's throwing a bomb and running away. Gossip destroys. 
Read more at catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's first cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs. From beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues and one-of-a-kind rosaries, the Basilica gift shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels, locally designed hand-painted signs, and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish in everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. We're back and we're talking with Mark Hart, noted author and speaker. He's Executive Vice President for Content and Identity for Life Teen, an international youth ministry. Mark recently published the book, Unleashing the Power of Scripture, a guide for Catholics from Word Among Us Press in our own Archdiocese of Baltimore. Thanks for being with us. In the beginning of Unleashing the Power of Scripture, you talk about the fact that contrary to popular belief, Catholics know a lot about Scripture. You, you talk about uh, several things where contrary to popular belief, and then you give the myth, and then you talk about the, the reality, those alternative facts that we're hearing about these days. So why do you say that contrary to popular belief, Catholics do know a lot about Scripture? I think because Catholics, uh, they might be surprised at, at how much Scripture they actually know. We, we, there are phrases, there are everyday phrases that we use that most people aren't aware of come from scripture you know if you use the phrase you know turn the other cheek or you know uh, by the skin of your teeth or the blind leading the blind you know or the writing on the wall or a drop in the bucket those are all verse those are all verses from scripture those all come straight out of the bible you know so there's there's the everyday nomenclature that we use in just in having normal conversations but then then there's also almost every almost every prayer we pray either directly or indirectly in the mass comes straight out of the bible I mean, some word for word verbatim. Others are are based upon you know two or three different verses and that and that fundamental foundation found therein. So, I think what happens is you know Catholics might think I don't really know the Bible very well that kind of thing. But then if you start to ask them questions, well, hey, well, where was Jesus born? Well, you know, um, who came and visited him? You know, and and you know uh, what what angel came and talked to Mary? And you can throw out all these different things that Catholics start to find out 
that if, if, if they know the rosary, if they've been to mass for you know, the liturgical seasons before, they actually know several things. When they've been to mass, if you were to say, hey, you, you, you say that prayer, you know, um, it, you know, the Lord be with you and with your spirit or, you know, uh, or amen or you know, the Lord's prayer or, um, you know, all the prayers they hear through him, with him, in him. All these different kinds of prayers in Mass. If you said, did you realize that comes from the book of Ruth? Did you know that comes from First Chronicles? Did you know that comes from Second Corinthians? Whatever it is. And people are stunned. And they start to say, wow, I, I didn't know that. So just because Catholics might not be able to find chapter and verse, the reality is we are actually very well versed, no pun intended, in the Word of God. We just weren't necessarily raised, most of us are trained, in how to find chapter and verse at the drop of a hat. Right, and we also hear the scriptures through the cycle of readings, the A, B, and C cycle of readings that that rolls around every three years per Sunday, and the the um, the alternate years of readings for the daily masses. So, even if you go to mass and you hear two readings and a gospel reading, you're picking up scripture every week. That's right. That's right. And and, and not even that. Um, you know, you have you have the cycle of readings, so you get the four readings. We can't forget the psalm. You know, sometimes we forget that we're singing it, but it's still right out of the psalm, straight out of the Bible. And then you have the, the prayers that we say, you have the prayers of the priesthood act. So really, we actually have more scripture in a Catholic liturgy, in Catholic mass, than any of our Protestant evangelical brothers and sisters have in any of their worship services. I've been to them, and they, they, they might have, even at most, 30% of the scripture spoken or sung or unpacked that we actually have in the course of Mass. That's interesting. You know, you, you also say in the book that a worn-out Bible is a sign of a Catholic who isn't worn out. Why is that? You know, everybody has bad days. And sometimes I think that we fall into this trap of thinking, well, if I'm having a bad day, God must not love me. Or if I'm having a bad day, I must be doing something wrong. When in fact, having a bad day might mean you're doing everything right. You know, um, God says the rain falls on the good and the bad alike. And I think one of the things that Scripture reminds us of is that it, that bad days befall the, the best men and women in Scripture, that God is never calling us to comfort. I mean, usually nothing really, for most characters, nothing of note really happens until after God has moved them away from their home or their family or their comfort zone. You know, two-thirds of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Two-thirds of the Psalms are, are, are the psalmist looking up to the heavens saying, God, where are you? You've abandoned me. You know, we, we, and how quickly we have these turns. You're in one psalm that says, God, you're my fortress, you're my rock, you're my stronghold, you're my deliverer. The very next one says, I'm in a bottomless pit, I'm in the abyss. Where are you? I can't see you, I can't hear you. So isn't that kind of like our life? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're praising God on Sunday. God's on our lips. What happens on Monday? You know, where's that God on Monday when the boss is coming in and asking you to, you know, to, to, for some report and you're more stressed? And, you know, and a child calls and they're, they're giving you a hard time or you have, a, you have a loved one who's not in good health. I mean, it's the up and down. It's a roller coaster of life. And, and Scripture meets us there. It's, it, it reminds us that there are times that God is very present. We can hear him, taste him, feel him, smell him. And then the next day, it seems as though he's distant and we're in the shadows. And, and it's only through Scripture that we come to realize that even when we're in the darkness, that shadow is really just the shade of his hand. He's still there, but sometimes he allows sometimes he allows that perception, that feeling of distance, so that we will seek him more earnestly. Even Jesus on the cross says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And, and yet we know that, that the Father never abandoned Jesus. So yes, absolutely. And when, 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 and even, but even there, it's a great, it's a great example, Chris. Great example of how important is no scripture. Because even right there, when he says, "My God, My God, why have you abandoned me?" He's actually quoting not just not just one verse from Psalm 22, but the entire verse Psalm 22. And when you know that, and when we read it in context, you come to see that Psalm 22 is this is this Psalm of lament that that, that you've abandoned. Me. But then when it, what ends up happening at the end of the Psalm, that God shows up. 
and victory is won and God shows his faithfulness the same way that's going to happen on Easter Sunday. You know, that, 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 that Good Friday is only the beginning of the story. It's not the end. Yeah. So why do these Bible stories that were written millennia ago, certainly the Old Testament, what was known to the, to the Hebrew people you know, as simply the scriptures, but the Old and New Testament, why do they mean something to us today? Why do they matter? Well, because you know what? While while fads change, technology change, times change, you know the the, the moral compass of the, the country and the world changes. God doesn't change. And we're writing Hebrews. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, so the, God's truth is timeless. God's truth is unwavering. Now, how we share that truth, how we understand that truth, that can change with different cultures and how we're raised and that sort of a thing. But this is this is a thing. How do we how do we avoid being just a reed in the wind? Being, being tossed back and forth from one thing to the next. God reminds us that his word will not return to him void. He's still calling us out of our sins, still calling us out of our depravities, our iniquities, still calling us out of our selfishness and our ego. That has not changed. So what we have to remember is, is that even though you know thought processes evolve, I use that word loosely, and ideologies change and cultures change, and what people perceive as sin and permit as sin changes, not even culture to culture, and not even you know, millennia to millennia, but just you know within, within a few years, that God's truth on the subject does not, and Christ's church as guardian of truth you know, does not. While she's dynamic and organic, she's also timeless and Holy Spirit inspired and led. So this is where you know people want to they want scriptures that fly in the face of their own political thoughts or ideologies. Saint Augustine reminded us if you disagree, if you only agree with the scriptures you agree with and discard the other ones, it's not the scriptures you believe in, but yourself. And that's a pretty sage warning from, from several hundred years ago, from almost 2,000 years ago, you know, and nothing's really changed. So we have to have the humility to look at Scripture and say, even though some of the cultural idioms and customs from that time have changed, that God's truth on the subject is not. That's really powerful to, to know. As, as people pick up your book, Unleashing the Power <clears throat> of Scripture, you provide a lot of resources for them. The whole back part of the book is... Uh, the the cycle of readings for the year and some other other books to read. Uh, what kinds of things are you giving them so they can take unleashing the power of scripture and really move forward with it? Sure, sure. Well, you know what? Um, try, well, like as you mentioned earlier, trying to um, trying to give people sort of like the, the a little bit a little bit of the answers and, uh, that to dispel some of the common misconceptions. You know, I mean, well, why is my Bible longer and why does the Bible look like this or that? Just so they can answer some of their some of their friends and they ask questions, people online. Uh, an introduction to Lexio Divina, which you said, which is the, the way that we read Scripture prayerfully, how we can enter into it and contemplate it. There's a whole chapter in there about the rosary um, and not just saying, hey, read this you know, Scripture verse and then pray your decade, but but really try to I try to provide a couple paragraph meditation on each one and then provide some other verses that they can look up you know, in the midst of it, if they want to kind of do like a living, interactive rosary with their family or their friends or on their own, um, walking through where the different scriptures are in the mass, where those come from, um, so that people can look them up on their own and also understand what's really happening, you know, scripturally speaking, for those parts of the mass. I give a 10-part reading plan on how to get into a rhythm of reading scripture your own, on your own daily, you know, with, with a group or on your own. And then as you mentioned, Chris, the three-year cycle of readings, you know, our church gives us a very orderly cycle of readings. And, you know, right now we're in cycle A. Coming from St. Matthew, but you'll, you'll never have to wonder about, you know, oh, hey, what are the readings, you know, for this week? You can look at the top of your bulletin and it'll say, hey, this Sunday coming up is the 16th Sunday of Ordinary Time or whatever. You can go right to the back and it lists the first and second reading in the gospel. So you can look them up in your own Bible, you know, so you, I, I hope that this book would be kept underneath the Bible, you know, right next to it um, on the on the end table, on the nightstand, on the coffee table. And then, uh, as you said, um, a, a list of suggested readings. These are these are other books 
where you can go even deeper with trusted authors who are contemporaries, who are friends, solidly Catholic, wonderful writers. So here are some other biblical books, some biblical commentaries, um, some other ones that will help you go deeper in terms of understanding the overarching story in the Bible, uh, books that can help you go deeper with praying with the scriptures. So the books that I've used that I like, authors that I trust, just to be able to say, hey, you can go even deeper. You can go as deep as you would like to. I, I just want this to be an appetizer that whets the appetite for the word that, that people want to just dive into it. That's great. We uh, This gives me a chance to plug in uh, the Archdiocese of Baltimore. All our parishes and all of our parishioners have access to uh, the My Parish app, which they can download on their Android or Apple OS device. And built into that uh, app are the daily readings for every day. So if you want to have today's scriptures in your pocket, uh, it's there in the My Parish app. So download that and go ahead and use that. We've been talking today with Mark Hart, the Bible geek, author of Unleashing the Power of Scripture, a guide for Catholics from Word Among Us Press. Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate your, uh, your being here and sharing your wisdom. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.